Hallelujah. All right, we're uh, continuing on with our discipleship training. And so we're going to enter into the world of scripture before we get started, as we, as we um, usually do. And we're going to do that via poem. It says, Welcome to my world. A place where the natural eyes can't see, where your physical bodies can't be, where the last is first, the first is last, the end is told from the beginning, and when it appears as though one is losing, they're actually winning. Where trumpets are depicted as voices and persecuted righteous don't complain but actually rejoices. Here, swords are likened to the word. The demons are bird, the dead are yet alive, the living and dead are even um, actually depicted as, I'm sorry, um, the dead are <laughs> yet alive and the living are actually dead. Blood and flesh are even depicted as wine and bread. It's a place wherein the humble are depicted as poor, and the poorer one becomes, they're later found to be that much richer. Speaking of no other place than the awesome world of scripture. So please turn off your phones, perk up your ears, and get ready to listen. For the real cockroach is about to begin teaching. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Now we're still continuing to um, in our exploration of the story of Israel, and we're going to take it from the top again. Hallelujah. And we're going to keep taking it top from the top. You know, because I'm intentionally being redundant, because I want this to be drilled into the hearts and minds of everyone. You know, you cannot be a good disciple of of Yahs and not know and understand the story of Israel. You know, this is essential. That most people do not understand the brick Kadashah simply because they don't understand what transpired with Israel and they refuse to go back and look and see. Mm -hmm. You know, but it is a direct parallel to what Yah is doing with Yahshua. You know, and that's something to be to be understood by Yah's disciples, Yahshua's disciples. You know, Yah changes not. He's not doing anything different than what he had already done. You know, and so that's what needs to be understood because when you understand that, then you find different, the different missing pieces to the puzzle with Yahshua aren't actually missing. Say a lot. All right, so that's it. We're talking about Israel, the son of Elohim. That's our overall goal is to become sons and daughters of Elohim. Amen? Amen. Now, there's two types uh, of the children of Elohim. There's the native born, and then there's, there are those who became Israel who are, or who are becoming Israel. Israel... It's not just speaking to an individual in as much as it's speaking to a nation. And so it has an open door policy. You know, anyone can become an Israelite, just about. You know, 98% of the folks. You know. So I want you to understand that because so many people get caught up on the native born. Israelites, you know, and they just negate the fact that there, there were many that became Israelites. And so that's important to, to understand as well, because they came out of Mitzrayim, a mixed multitude. It wasn't just the native-born Israelites. Hence, you know, when Torah was given, it was one law for both the home-born as well as the stranger. All right, so for those of you all who have become Israel, welcome to Israel. Hallelujah. You know, I pray that you understand who you are and what you're to do better from this series. Because, you know, people don't equate following Yahshua with being an Israelite, you know, but it means nothing else because Yahshua... He's the king of kings, but he's the king of Yahuda, the rightful heir to the throne of David. He's the king of Israel, I should say, as a whole, you know, both houses, you know, even as his father David was, 
you know, so that's important to understand. And don't start celebrating just because you came in Israelite. You have to hold on to your citizenship. Yes, you can lose your citizenship, you know. Just because you become an Israelite don't mean you'll forever remain an Israelite. You know, you can do some things that will cause you to be cut off from the people of Israel. All right. That said, you know, Israel's journey, you know, it, be, it be begins with them going into Mitzrayim. So, Israel and all his children go into Mitzrayim. And this is just a picture of us going into the Word and learning of Elohim. You know, going into the Word and learning of Him. You know, and so that's what this is a picture is. And, and as they're there, they grow. They grow, you know, into a mass of people. And so you're supposed to grow while you're in this writing, while you're in the Word as well. You know, and then you get to the point to where you have to come out of the Word. You come out of the Word. You know, or come out of Mitzrayim, I should say. Come out of Mitzrayim, you know, and you do the exodus. So, you you, you know, this is really a picture of you. You've been in this book and you've done learned all these things. And, and now you, you say, okay, well, okay, I'm going to come out of Mitzrayim. I'm going to, I'm going to actually begin to, you know, um, not just do this stuff, you know, on on Saturday or Sunday, you know, I'm going to start applying it to my life as a whole. And so this is kind of a picture of coming out of Mitzrayim. You're coming out of the learning phase and you're going into the application phase. You know, so you you, you may be hanging out with, with Israel and you're seeing what it's all about. And, you, and, you, and then you finally make the commitment and say, okay, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to go on this journey. You know, and so... You go through the Reed Sea, you know, which is a picture of the word in and of itself. You know, you go through and then you begin your wilderness experience. And this is where, you know, you have to you have to start applying the word to your life. You know, in every aspect. And if done correctly, you find yourself born again, i.e. Father from above. But in order for that to happen, you have to go through this long journey through the wilderness. And so, this is what the wilderness experience is all about. Now, one of the things, and so like, you know, this is a big part of the story of Israel. And so, one of the things I want you to understand is this principle, first the natural, then the spiritual, was taken from 1 Corinthians 15, 46. It says, the spiritual, however, was not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. You know, and I want to try to show you this principle, this principle uh, um, in Scripture, because it's, it's true. It's, it's, it's true throughout Scripture. And so, let's begin of Israel's journey, so they come out and um, come through the Reed Sea, they, they, or they had a baptism, you know, and then their wilderness experience began, you know, and one of the first things that they run into is some physical uh, shortcomings, you know, by way of hunger. And so, Yah supplies them with physical manna from heaven, you know, and it may have looked something like this. You know, and so they would gather this each day and they would eat this and this was a physical manner. Now, that physical manner will be backed up by another trial, you know, and that's what this whole wilderness experience is, is about as well as proving that you're even worthy to be Yah's son or Yah's daughter. You know, just because you were born don't make you worthy. You have to be born again. 
Amen. Mm -hmm. You know, so he's going to prove us in this wilderness experience. And so, you know, he causes us to hunger and then he supplies us with physical food. Then he causes us to thirst and then he supplies us with physical water. You know, and this is what was depicted from the water from the rock. And these are supernatural events, you know, and so like he works these supernatural events in the in would-be Israelites' um, life. And if you look back over your life, if you've been, you know, walking this way, I'm sure he's done some little miracles for you. You know, I'm, I'm certain he's giving you some manna and, and some uh, from heaven and some water from the rock, you know. But I want you to know, like, when you go through this story in Scripture, you know, first you're presented with this physical manna from heaven, then you presented with this physical water from the rock. And then afterwards, you're taught how to fight your enemies. And you, and this is taught through the story of Israel's battle with Amalek. And within this battle of Amalek, you learn that you overcome your enemy via praise. Mm -hmm. So when you're in this wilderness experience, you know, and the enemy come upon you, you overcome your enemy with praise. You overcome your enemy by handing everything over to Yah. Handing your authority over to him. Handing your provision over to him. Handing your support over to him. You know, you just give everything to Yah. You lift it up to Yah, even as Moshe lifted up his rod. You know, that was the that was his ride, you know, that he done all everything with. That's his ride that he even started this journey when Yah first chose him. You know, he had to give it all, hand it all up to Yah. You know, he had to praise him. Sometimes you're gonna be so tired that you're not gonna be able to hold your arms up anymore. And so you may need an Aaron and a Herb to assist you. You may need someone to bring some light. Aaron represents a light bringer, so he brings light to the situation or the circumstance. Herb represents a righteous man, so, you know, he, he helps you do it righteously. You know, and so you understand the situation and circumstance, and then you understand the righteousness involved with it, and what you have to do, and you keep your hands lifted to Yah, and you give it to Yah. And as you do, he has Yahshua on the battlefield fighting for you and as long as you keep your hands up you keep praising and giving it to him and giving him the glory he gives you the victory now after he gives that you know, when you're going through the story of Israel after he gives you that physical manna from heaven and that physical water from a rock he then in turn gives the spiritual manner from heaven. And the spiritual, he gives the spiritual manner from, from heaven, and this came in the form of leadership. You know, the spiritual manner from heaven came in the form of leadership. And it was introduced by Moshe's father-in-law, hmm. Yethro, hmm. and his wise advice. Hmm. We read about it in Exodus 18. Can I my first reader read Exodus 18, 19 through 26, please? Hearken now unto my voice, I will give thee counsel, and Elohim shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that they mayest bring the causes unto Elohim. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shall show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear Elohim, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, 
but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and Elohim command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall go, shall also go to their place in peace. So Moshe heard, hearkened unto the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. And Moshe chose able men out of all Israel, and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons. The hard causes they brought unto Moshe, but every small matter they judged themselves. Hallelujah. Thank you. And so here, everybody, we, we learn that certain people were chosen. And they were chosen to teach ordinances and laws and to show show the way in which wherein they must walk and show the work that they must do. Now, they had the authority to do these things and what they said went. You know, and so this was actually the birth of the rabbinic oral law. This was the, his birthplace. Because these rulers would continue you know, to exact ordinances, ordinances and um, different, different decrees and statutes, you know, as time progressed, they continued to make more and more and more and more, you know, as what they called a fence to put around Torah to make certain that Torah didn't get, get broken, but, you know, it got very misconstrued along the way and to the point to where even the fence that was supposed to protect the breaking of Torah caused the breaking of Torah. And so, this is a part, you know, that a lot of quote-unquote Christians don't understand. This is the part of Torah a lot of them don't understand. And in, in, in large part, don't even know exists. You know, but this was the birthplace of the rabbinic law. Mm. You know, so that was the spiritual manner that was given. You know, and so what was Israel's spiritual water? It's found in Exodus 23, 20 through 28. My next reader, please. For my angel shall go before thee and bring thee unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Pizzarites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down unto their gods, nor serve them, nor do work, nor do after their works. But thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And ye shall serve Yahuwah your Elohim, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor bear in the land the number of days I will fulfill. I will send fear before thee, and I will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and I will make all thy enemies to turn their backs unto thee, and I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hittites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites before thee. Hallelujah. All right, so this was that spiritual water that was given, even as Murak HaKodesh, um, that is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, was given unto those who follow Yahshua. Mm -hmm. You know, those who, well, with Israel, they had an angel that went before them as well. Mm -hmm. And it was designed to do the very same things that the, <coughs> that the um, Ruach Kadesh 
um, does for the followers of Yahshua. Mm. Keep them in the way, bring them unto the place which Yahshua is preparing. Mm. Hence, before Yahshua left, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Mm. If it was not so, I would not have told you. You know, so, and just like with Arurah, Kadesh, you know, we were to beware of him and obey his voice. You know, and not provoke him. Mm. He won't pardon your transgressions. You know, so here it is. We see they had their spiritual water. Mm -hmm. You know, first they was given physical water, then they were given spiritual water. First the natural, then the spiritual. You know, so I, I want to make certain that everybody see that and understand that. Mm -hmm. You know, now verse twenty four says, "Thou shalt not bow down to their gods." What's a god? All right, strong ruler or judge. You know, so when you when they were in, when they would go into the land of Canaan, they were not to bow down or submit themselves to those strong rulers and those judges over in the promised land. You understand that? You know, that's important that you understand that. You know, because so many people, they just go with the spiritual aspect and forget about the physical aspect. The physical gods that was in the land of Canaan were the physical rulers and judges. You know, and so... We have to be cognizant of that because there are physical rulers and judges in the land now. Say mm -hmm. Yes. You know, he says, don't serve them and don't do after their works. Unfortunately, hmm. this fell on deaf ears. Mm -hmm. And still, Falls on deaf ears, even now today. Yes. So much so, we're gonna take a side note. Are we? Yeah, this is a note on the side. You know. <laughs> Yahu 10, 1 through 6. says, Hear ye the word which Yahuwah speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith Yahuwah. Learn not the way of the heathen. Isn't that what we just read? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. <coughs> These are those very same people that was being spoken of in Exodus, right? <clears throat> it goes on to say, For one cut of a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers that it move not. Pop quiz. What is this a description of? Christmas tree. Absolutely. This is what we will call a Christmas tree. But I want you to pay close attention to verse 5. It says, they are upright as the palm tree. The palm tree is a symbol of what? Righteousness. And even now today, people who follow this vain custom think they're doing something righteous. Do they not? They think it's centered around righteousness. It's centered around Worship to Yah. Mm -hmm. But let's continue. He goes on to say, but speak not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born. They have to be carried. Because they cannot go. They can't walk on their own. Now this is really important. This part right here. Be not afraid of them. For they cannot do evil. 
neither also is it in them to do good. Yeah. Why do you think that this clause is there? What does this imply? Does it not imply that people of the past were afraid of them? Does it not imply that they thought they could do evil? In other words, they viewed them as gods. I pray that you can see that. They viewed them as gods. Hence, verse 6 goes on to say, For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Yahuwah, thou art great, and thy name is great and mighty. See, the people who do this don't understand that these were literally considered gods that they were bringing in, into their households. You know, and the gifts were put under the tree. Because you had to worship before the tree in order to pick them up. You had to bow before that God in order to accept the gift. Can you see that? You know, I will go into all the symbolism that's concerning it, but it's, it's, it's a bit too graphic. But understand that this was a type of God that you that people are bringing in their house. And many of our loved ones are doing this every year. Some are even doing it right now as we speak. Because this is the season. Not knowing that they've inherited a bunch of lies and useless traditions of men. They continue to pollute their households. They continue to pollute their lives. They continue to pollute their faith in Yah with these lies and useless traditions of men. Mm. You know. And this this applies to a lot of other lies and useless traditions of men. Mm. Now I'm not gonna go there as to what lies being told today mm -hmm. and what useless tradition of man being propagated. But know and understand that many of these things aren't new. They aren't new. They date back way, way back into antiquity. Mm. And it's the same paganism that y'all's people were doing back then that got them in trouble with y'all. How did they find their, their way into our faith as a part of our faith? Selah. Okay, so here it is. We done, we done learned. We done went to Misraim. We done learned about the word we decided that we're going to live for the word. So we go through baptism, go through the Reed Sea. Then we begin our wilderness experience. Yah proves us through our flesh by striking us with hunger and seeing if, if we're going to uh, wait on him. He proves us again by same way with thirst. Then he supplies a physical food for us. Even physical food from heaven, miraculously. Then he supplies physical drink, physical water for us, miraculously. Showing himself to be a, the L of our lives. Then he teaches us how, teaches our hands to do battle with the battle of Amalek, thereby teaching us 
that we'll win the battles in the wilderness if we just learn to hand it over to him and to praise him through it. Next thing upon the upon our journey, the journey of Israel, we find ourselves at Mount Sinai, before the mountain of Elohim. Mountain also speaks to kingdoms, you know, and this speaks to actually when Israel will become a nation. Officially. But here it is. They're at Mount Sinai. You know, and when they get there, they're propositioned. Hmm. Yah gives them a proposition. <laughs> this proposition is found in Exodus 19, 1 through 7. Have my next reader read Exodus 19, 1 through 7, please. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mountain. And Moses went up to Elohim, and Yahuwah called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people, and laid before their faces all these words which Yahuwah commanded him. Hallelujah. All right, so... Verse 5 tells us, you know, if, that's a condition. This is a conditional clause. This is not automatic. But for some reason, people seem to think that it's automatic. That all they have to do is accept, you know, and... Yah is going to do everything that they need done in their lives and they don't have to do anything in return. Mm -hmm. And this is what people are taught now today. They're taught that all they have to do is accept the proposition and they're good. And once good, always good. Mm -hmm. First the natural, then the spiritual. If it wasn't that way with the natural, then it also won't be that way with the spiritual. And so in the natural, we see what it's about. Mm -hmm. He says in verse 5, if ye will obey my voice indeed mm -hmm. and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. Well, what if they don't obey his voice and don't keep his covenant? Will they still be a peculiar treasure unto him above all? No. Absolutely not. That's a conditional clause. He says, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Well, what causes them to become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation are the very words that he spoke that they're supposed to be keeping. So the words that he speak, when you obey them, that's what causes you to become a part of a kingdom of priests or a part of a holy nation. Mm -hmm. yeah. But somehow, folks don't lost their way from the understanding, the simple understanding of this. Mm -hmm. 
He goes on in verse 6 and says, These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moshe came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which Yahuwah commanded him. Mm. You know, and so please, please, please understand and help other people to understand this. This proposition is conditional. It's not automatic. You have to do something in return. You have to obey his voice and keep his covenant. So, here it is, the proposition, and the proposition with a covenant. And that covenant does come with conditions, and it comes with words. You know, and so... This is why he was talking about the words of the covenant. You know, um, consider Exodus 24, 6 through 11. It says, And Moshe took half of the blood and put it in bases and half of the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant. The book of the covenant. It's a book of the covenant. Yeah. <laughs> What's in books? Words. Words. You can't get past that. It's not automatic. He took them and he read in the audience of the people. And they said. This is what they said. All that Yahuwah have said. We will do and be obedient. Can't you see? They're agreeing and they're accepting his covenant. Verse 8 continues on to say Moshe 8. And Moshe took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant. It's a blood covenant. That's the strongest covenant in existence. It is an eternal covenant. The blood covenant is forever. It, it surpasses life. And you see a, an example of this with, uh, with King David and Prince, Prince uh, Jonathan, even after Jonathan had died, King David still honored that covenant by taking his son Mephibosheth in and presenting him and feeding him at his table and taking care of him as a son. This was, in, this was due to the covenant he had made with his father. Had nothing to do with him per se. Not to say he was a good or bad guy, but it was congruent with the covenant that he had made with his dad. Because the covenant it extends beyond life itself. That's how strong the blood covenant was. Verse 8: Moshe took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which Yahuwah have made with you concerning all these words. Can't get around it. Verses 9 through 11. Then went, went up Moshe and Aaron and Adab and Abihu and 70 of the elders. And they saw the Elohim of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw Elohim and did eat and drink. This was a part of how you finalized the covenant. You had to have a covenant meal. Now, who was invited? The representatives of the people. And there was 70 elders of Israel. Where did these 70 elders come from? Who were these 70 elders? Say again. The leaders he anointed. The captains of thousands, the captains of hundreds, the captains of fifties, and the captains of tens. Right? Let's see. Thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. Okay. Seems like we're missing one. The princesses, the elders, and the princesses. 
Yes. And, um, okay, so. Yeah. That's, that's it. So, those, that's what the 70 were made up of. You know, and so this is why he brought them up there because these are the leaders. These are the ones who had rule over all the people. These were the ones who were setting the record straight for the people and teaching the people, you know, and enforcing those those laws. You know, these were this was the beginning of the seed of Moses, if you would, that you read about in the Brick Shot. You know, these were the ones who had the authority. And so, everybody agreed. You know, and these were the heads of, you know, of their, of their family. So, everyone, everyone agreed. You know, but never forget that the covenant was made concerning the words of Torah. It was concerning the words of Torah. You know, now, a Christian view of Torah is simply the written word, you know, the written Torah. Mm -hmm. But as, you know, this is their view of Torah, you know, the average Christian, this is all they know Torah to be, you know, basically the Ten Commandments, you know, but it also includes all the other laws that came along with the Ten Commandments, you know, which goes on you know, the Ten Commandments start in, what, Exodus 20? Mm -hmm. But those other laws go to, like, what, chapter 27, 28? Mm -hmm. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's all of that. You know? You know, but also, you know, when you ask an, um, an Israelite or one of the Yahudim, you know, they always understood Torah to have two sections, the written and the oral. You know, and so along the way, those 70 that were put in charge, when, when the people of Israel would come to them, it, they would make the judgments. Now, they were supposed to make the judgments based upon the written Torah, but along the way, they began to make more and more judgments according to their own opinion. You know, and ultimately it was off from their opinion of the written Torah. You know, but as the people became more and more wicked, so did their opinions. Mm -hmm. Can you see that? Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, as they began to stray from the will, way, and purposes of Yah, so did their opinions stray from the will, way, and purpose of, purposes of Yah. And so this is how we wound up with this, 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 or Torah that was so burdensome that it was impossible to even keep. And it went against the will, way, and purposes of Yah. And hence, it had to be done away with. You know, but to this proposition to covenant with Yah, Israel gave the answer in Exodus 19.8, it said, All that Yahuwah has spoken, we will do. Right? Yep. From that point, they became Elohim's covenanted nation. They were officially his covenanted nation. Covenanted with him directly. Before they were in covenant, you know, in relation to the Abrahamic covenant. But now they had their own covenant with Elohim. Once they are covenant, or once you're covenant, covenanted, the next thing that you're to do, the next thing in the journey is to start making a dwelling place for Yah. See, up until, you know, this... Up until now, Yah has been leading and guiding Israel. He's leading them, you know, pillar by day, pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night, right? Well, when you're leading, most of the time you're out front. 
You know, but Yah desired to be within their midst. He he wanted to dwell within their midst. He wants to dwell within your midst. See, but in order for him to do that, you have to make a dwelling place for him. You have to make a tabernacle for him. You understand? You know, each of our flesh bodies are a type of tabernacle, a temporary dwelling place. We're not going to remain here forever. You know that, right? This, this temporary dwelling place, these earthly tabernacles are going to be done away with at some point. We're appointed to each man to die once, right? Yeah. You know, so while you're in this wilderness experience and while you, you have this tabernacle, you're to make it a dwelling place for Yah. So that he can dwell within the midst of thee. You know, and this is an essential part of being an Israelite. They have to make this dwelling place for Yah. And when we get into that, we begin to see that it was all kind of things involved. You know, consider Exodus 25, 1 through 9. It says, And Yahuwah spake unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. You know, because you need to make this tabernacle. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and rams, skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood and oil for light spices for anointing oil and sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and let them be let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Mm -hmm. You're to become a sanctuary yes. that he might dwell amongst us. Mm -hmm. We're, us together are to become a sanctuary. Yes. So we're to be individual sanctuaries and we're to be a corporate sanctuary. According to all that I showed thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. So there's a couple things I want to point out here. First of all, when we're making this corporate tabernacle, and even when you're making your personal tabernacle, take note that your offerings has to be given willingly with your heart. See, this is why, you know, we don't take up a collection here. Mm. We have a box in the back of the room and whatever y'all puts on your heart to put in it, that's what you do because it has to be willingly. You know, if you're coerced into doing something and when you leave, you, you know, you feel despair or disdain because because you've done it, you know, out because uh, you was coerced into doing it, then you might as well not have done it because it's not going to um, give you any credit with Yah. Mm -hmm. You know, hence scripture say that Yah loves a joyful giver. You know, but you give willingly of your own heart. And then that way you can be joyful. You know, somebody making you do something or compelling you to do something or coercing you to do do something, you know, or, you know, then you're not going to have that joy in your heart. You know, but this is a very important aspect that I think gets overlooked, you know, because, you know, those sanctuaries that are made in this fashion don't meet the criteria for y'all to dwell in them. Say lot. You know. Now, take note of verse 9. It says, according to all that I showed thee after the pattern of uh, the tabernacle. And so, in other words, you can't make his dwelling place the way you want to make it. You can't make his dwelling place any kind of way you, you, you prescribe to. You have to make it in accordance to what he patterned. 
to his pattern. You understand? You know, this is what this is telling us. It's telling us like, you know, like, okay, I'm going to make y'all sanctuary within me. I'm going to make him a dwelling place so he can dwell within me. Okay, that's all well and good. But I have to do it willingly of my own heart. Can't have nobody making me do it. And then I have to do it in accordance to the pattern. Folks are doing, a lot of folks are trying to do this today, but they're, they're, they just negate the pattern. The pattern is Israel. They negate the pattern. You know, and so many people be like, you know, well, how come it doesn't say this in the New Testament? How come it doesn't say that in the New Testament? Because it said it in the Old. <laughs> That's the pattern. Yah is not going to keep repeating himself. I don't know about, like, these new school parents, they, they're a little different. But, like, the old school parents, they'll let you know real quick. I'm going to tell you once. If I got to tell you again, there's going to be trouble. And so us kids who grew up under those old school parents, we learned, like, you know, to respond on the first call. To do it the first go around. Because we ain't want to see what's going to come come next. We ain't want none of that trouble. We wanted peace. You know, and, but that's not the case today. You know, people want to do things their own way. And, you know, and they're, they're doing some really bizarre things that is really goes against y'all's word. You know, even though they, a lot of them, their hearts are good. They're just ignorant. They just don't know no better. And unfortunately, there's not too many teaching what better looks like. So we're in a sad state of affairs. Nevertheless, the way is set before us. We do have a pattern. You know, so we need to learn how to use it. That's all I have for you today. I pray it was a blessing. Yeah.